you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. Hey, everybody, it is Thursday, March 17th, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we are willing to play receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio, producer Randy at the controls. Normally, I start with a bunch of happy talk. I guess happy St. Patrick's Day, Florio. Uh, you are, uh, for anybody who can't see this, uh, you are all decked out in green. You've got your uh, your clover necklace on. Uh, you are you are ready to go for, for St. Patrick's Day. I, I am. Uh, I, I even, I, I have some green sunglasses if I want to throw them on. Uh, <laughs> green is, is my favorite color. I also happen to be Irish, so I've always been a big fan of St. Patty's Day. Well, then there you go. So do you have do you have an, a St. Patrick's Day beverage of choice? Are you a Guinness? Are you a, a whiskey person? Do you have something that you prefer? So this is where I'm going to get my Irish card revoked, I guess. <laughs> I, I am not the biggest fan of Guinness, so I, I'm more of a light beer drinker. So I'm, I'm probably just going to drink whatever's in the house. Um, right. But Nicolette's making some corned beef and cabbage with potatoes and stuff. So she's doing that up for me. 
All right. I was going to suggest maybe if the, if you're not a Guinness person, a Murphy's uh, or a, a, a Bass, maybe something like that. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know. If Do you have those ready Irish. for tonight? Uh, I don't, but I may walk over. I may walk over to uh, the Target next door and go pick up like some uh, some Bushmills or, or Jameson or something like that. Just just to have, just just so I can have a sip of it tonight. <laughs> uh, I will also say, by the way, is I, you may not be a fan of Guinness, but if you ever get over to Ireland and you have Guinness there, it is a whole new world. It, I, it it's amazing. I've been told that, and I believe it because I don't love Heineken here. But when I was in Amsterdam, I it's was really like, good over there. Best beer, yeah. <laughs> was, I was exactly like you. I went to Amsterdam, I had it, and I was like, oh, I get it now. Uh, <laughs> I understand. But yeah, uh, Guinness is the same way in Ireland. It has ruined it uh, for me having it over here uh, back in America. So um, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I have a rundown in front of me that is like a mile long. Uh, I've got Twitter up in front of me as we are recording this because things are likely to change as we are going through. Uh, we are still at this moment waiting to see what happens with Deshaun Watson. We'll certainly dive into that. But obviously, free agency has taken hold. The frenzy really got going in a big way on, I guess, technically Monday, but I would say it actually sort of happened on Sunday when the the first news and i broke so i broke this down and just for full transparency i broke this down by position but chances are we're going to kind of bounce around this thing based on who we're talking about and, and how this impacts teams as a whole things sort of got going though in a big way on sunday afternoon while much of the sporting world was waiting on selection sunday and seeing which teams were going to get into the nc2a tournament which i do have on a television just to my left here um while we were all waiting for that, Tom Brady puts out a statement saying he is coming back for his 23rd season. He will be back with the Buccaneers saying there will be a time for him to uh, sit in the stands and watch the game. But that time is not now. So that completely shook everything up. Um, so, I mean, let's just let's just start here. Right. I mean, Tom Brady last year, still great, still an elite quarterback, comes back to a situation where he still has plenty of weapons around him. Um, does he go back to being a top 10 quarterback in, in draft rankings now? I, I think so. And for years, I was always the, like, Tom Brady's old and he's on a new <laughs> team and I don't trust him. But after what he's done the last two years in this Tampa offense, there's no reason. I don't see any reason to believe he is just going to fall off of a cliff. I mean, you pick a stat last year. He pretty much led the quarterbacks in it. Attempts, completions, yards, touchdowns. Uh, he was a top five fantasy quarterback, and it's kind of crazy to say, but I think that's where he belongs to be this year. Like for me, uh, the top three are set in stone. You you can move them in any order, but I, I think it is Allen, Mahomes, Herbert. I have it actually Allen, Herbert, Mahomes, but I think you could put those three in any order. I have Kyler Murray as my QB four, and I think after that, Tom Brady likely slides in at five. Like He's in the same discussion, I think, with like Burrow, Lamar, Rodgers, Wilson. But, I mean, how can you go against Brady after what he's done the last couple of years? I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, I've always said that sort of like predicting the end of the world, uh, you're predicting Tom Brady's demise. Eventually, you're going to be right. But also like predicting the end of the world, you're probably going to be waiting a long time for it to happen. And so uh, last year, Brady threw for 5,300 yards, 43 touchdowns. Uh, and like I said, the, the cast on paper 
very similar, at least at wide receiver. I know Chris Godwin's going to be hurt. We'll see when he's going to be back, but he will be back. Uh, Mike Evans obviously is going to be there. We'll see what happens uh, with Rob Gronkowski. But uh, at this point, there's just no reason to doubt Tom Brady. Um, you know, short of a, a major injury, I just don't see how he doesn't continue to put up top five quarterback numbers. Uh, and you're right. I think he probably gets drafted as a top five quarterback. So now because of that, I mean, we're still we're okay with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin. I guess the bigger question, where, where do we draft Chris Godwin? Because we know who his, who his quarterback's going to be. It's just about his recovery now. Um, are we still drafting him as, what, a high-end wide receiver too, even though he may miss the start of the season? I I think I'm going to be out on, on Chris Godwin this year because I think that's the price that it's going to take to get him. Like, I, I think him and Mike Evans will go pretty close once again. And I've always been off of Mike Evans, uh, but I think this is the year where I'll be more on him than Godwin because, like you said, Godwin tore his ACL late in the year. He might miss the start of the season. And... Even if when he returns, like, is he going to be 100% when he comes back? I I'm not so sure. So if we were getting a discount, like if he was going a little bit later than a high-end wide receiver too, I, I would be fine um, taking him. But seeing where, like, in early drafts and early rankings, some people have him, like, it's not that big of a discount. So maybe things change the closer we get. But as of now, I, I don't see myself being super in on Chris Godwin. Yeah, I think – I just think that – if I can wait, if he falls down drafts uh, and, and I can wait a little bit longer, sure, I'll take the shot on him. But knowing that I'm going to have to wait probably a few weeks for him uh, makes him a little bit less attractive, especially if, as you mentioned, people are going to be reaching for him. Um, by the way, Chris Godwin originally was franchise tag, did come to an agreement with the Buccaneers, signed a three-year deal for $60 million, including $40 million guaranteed. So he is not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. But... In the meantime, uh, as I said, jumping around here, right? I, I've got this thing broken down by positions, but this seems to segue nicely into the fact that the Buccaneers did reach an agreement with Russell Gage, who was formerly of the Falcons, who stepped up and, and played very well last year for Atlanta, for a, a team that was kind of struggling for pass catchers, especially after Calvin Ridley uh, stepped away. Now Gage goes to Tampa Bay and... You know, you talk about having to reach maybe for Chris Godwin. I get the feeling we're going to have to reach for Russell Gage because in the interim, before Godwin gets back on the field, it just feels like Russell Gage is, is set to step in there, get a lot of targets, and be very productive in this offense. Um, where are we drafting him? Are we talking fifth, sixth round to get Russell Gage? Is that is that reasonable this year? It, it, it all depends on Chris Godwin, I think. Like, if Godwin is out, for, you know, the, the first month or so. Yeah, I think he will get pushed up the board. But what I'm kind of hoping for, Marcus, is the opposite of that. Like, I'm hoping that people keep thinking Godwin's going to be back and Gage slides a little bit. Um, because for me, he's a player that all comes down to where you're going to get him. Like, I, I don't see myself, if he's going in the fifth or sixth round, I probably won't have a whole lot of him. Because my thinking is, eventually Godwin will be back and then... Gage becomes the third wide receiver again, and that is a role that can be useful still. And, and to your point, I, I definitely don't think enough people realize how good Russell Gage played last year. Like, he was a top 20 fantasy wide receiver in the final two months of the season. 
We know he can operate well out of the slot, and we know that is a, a spot that Tom Brady is going to throw the ball to a lot. So for me, Gage all comes down to price. If he gets hyped up and pulled up the board, I'll probably be out thinking like, okay, after the first month or so, this is going to become the Chris Godwin show again. But if he slides because of that, I'll take that chance because, again, the, the Bucks receivers haven't always been the most durable, and if, if they miss any time at all, Chris uh, Russell Gage could become like a wide receiver too, I think. I mean, this is a guy who's who's had you know, 770 yards last year, 786 the year before that. Uh, and this was sort of working as a secondary option in Atlanta. Uh, now he obviously gets a quarterback upgrade. And, I, and look, Matt Ryan, I'm not, this isn't to denigrate Matt Ryan, but look, I, I'm going to guess that everybody's going to take Tom Brady over Matt Ryan, right? So this is a quarterback upgrade for him. Um, and right now, at least in the short term, and again, depending on what happens with Chris Godwin, uh, there seems to be an opportunity for him to get more snaps, get more targets, at least in the short term. And I think early in the season, uh, I expect that the arrow is going to be pointing up very much for Russell Gage. Um, you talk about his level of play. Uh, our pal Matt Harmon, he of Reception Perception, who I, I trust wholeheartedly when it comes to wide receiver evaluations, uh, scored very highly uh, with Russell Gage in terms of, of his ability to run routes and get open uh, and be productive. So uh, this just seems like a great fit for him. It's a great fit for the Bucks. Now the question becomes, and, and we'll see this shake out uh, over the next couple of months, is what is the ADP going to be? Uh, how excited are people going to be and, and how much do they factor the long term in uh, with Gage's production? That does, though, beg the question, WTF are the Falcons going to do? Because right now, I mean, I joke that we're going to be playing receiver for the Falcons. That's not too far off, man. I mean, right now it's Kyle Pitts and what, Olamide Zacchaeus? Um, I mean, it's, it is easily the worst wide receiver room in the NFL who else is going to catch the football besides Kyle Pitts there? Uh, I, I think it all depends on on that one quarterback that's holding up all of this news <laughs> because I, I think if Deshaun Watson ends up in Atlanta, it suddenly becomes a much more desirable destination for free agent wide receivers. Like Allen Robinson remains out there. Will Fuller, who is, I, I think, just waiting for Deshaun Watson to sign, to sign wherever he goes, um... I, like, those are options in play. But, yeah, right now, it is gross. And, and lucky for them, Kyle Pitts is kind of a wide... Not kind of. Is a wide receiver one kind of masquerading as a tight end because I think he is their wide receiver one. But outside of him, it gets ugly real fast. And I don't know if you saw or not, Kyle Pitts had a tweet this morning for, like, three minutes saying it's about to get real scary again in Atlanta. I don't know. Maybe he just saw the wide receiver depth chart and, <laughs> and decided to tweet that out. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to believe this is, uh, you know, a Deshaun Watson related tweet, but you could be right. Maybe he just looked around at the wide receiver room and, and said that because it's it is gross right now uh, in Atlanta in terms of their pass catchers. And look, you're right. If if as the rumors suggest. Uh, Deshaun Watson does go to Atlanta. There are some free agent wide receivers out there that we can get to in a little bit who very well may flock uh, down to the Falcons, including a former Falcon who's now a former Titan. I'm sure you can figure out who that is. Uh, maybe he decides to come back to where he started, uh, depending on, on who is the quarterback there. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, the Steelers have reached an agreement with Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, I should say Mitch. I believe he has uh, officially told people that he wants to be Mitch 
Trubisky, I think. He flip-flops uh, every year. It does. It changes every year. But I think uh, per Aditi Kinkobwala, he has said he prefers to be Mitch Trubisky. So uh, let me uh, adjust this here in our rundown. That's why I say this properly. Mitch <laughs> Trubisky, uh, two-year deal, $14.25 million. Uh, obviously, it takes over for the retired uh, Ben Roethlisberger. We sort of knew that the Steelers probably weren't going to go into the season with Mason Rudolph as their QB1. Um, is Trubisky a QB1 for fantasy with the weapons around him in Pittsburgh? Do you have that kind of faith in him? Uh, I do not. I, I, think he, <laughs> <laughs> I think he is a quarterback, too. Um, I think he'll have some some weeks where he comes through. He'll take advantage of a good matchup or something like that. I, I, I've been seeing a little bit of, like, I don't want to say panic or maybe people aren't too happy in Pittsburgh with this signing. But, like, you compare Trubisky's tenure in Chicago to what Big Ben has been the last two years, and it's like the pointing Spider-Man gives. Like, their, their numbers <laughs> have been very similar, except for the fact that I think Trubisky, Trubisky has a stronger arm. He's more mobile. So I think he just adds um, some more versatility to this Steelers offense because with Ben, it was so predictable. They were going to hand the ball off or he was going to throw the ball less than 10 yards. Yeah, I think it's funny, though, is that nothing has really changed for Trubisky, right? Like, he didn't see the field. I mean, like, it's not like you got all this tape on him last year to say, hey, you know what? That Mitch Trubisky, let's, like, and and all of a sudden, I mean, there was just talk before free agency started that he was going to get the bag. And, look, he ends up getting a two-year deal. He's going to be in a place where he's probably going to be the starter. I, I can't imagine him losing a competition to Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins or anybody like that. Um... It's just, it's funny to me that all of a sudden, just a year or two away from being a starter, uh, people really feel like, hey, you know what, let's let's turn back to him and give him an opportunity. Maybe it works out. Uh, I just think the whole thing's kind of amusing. Um, is this good for Deontay Johnson, for Najee Harris? Uh, you know, obviously they didn't have a quarterback last year that could push the ball downfield. Now they do. I would think that just at least on its face, this seems like good news for those guys. I, I think it... Yeah, I, I think like his arm strength leads to more downfield shots for Deontay Johnson. The only concern that I have is we knew he was a lock to get double, like basically double-digit targets every single game with Ben Roethlisberger. I just have a little bit of concern about that. Not that I think he's not their number one wide receiver or the game plan is going to change. Just there was a natural chemistry there between those two that we have to wait and see. Uh, the other thing I worry a little bit about with Najee is... I mean, Ben felt any sort of pressure. That ball was getting out right away. Trubisky's <laughs> a little bit more mobile. Maybe it leads to a little less dump-offs. But one thing I did see when I looked back at Trubisky's tenure with Chicago, he threw a lot to the tight ends. Maybe that was by design or by personnel, or maybe it's just something Trubisky likes. So I, I came away from this signing feeling best about Pat Fryermuth's fantasy arrow pointing out. What I think I, I would like to keep an eye on, um, and it may take us a few weeks to learn this, is... When he was in Chicago, they threw the ball a lot to Tariq Cohen. And that's one, was that by design or was that just because that's where Trubisky felt comfortable going with the football? If it was by design, that makes me a little bit worried about Najee Harris because even though he can catch the ball, that's not necessarily what was in the offensive scheme. It was, as you mentioned it, when Ben felt pressure, he knew he could kind of outlet it to his running back and let Najee Harris do the work. Um Tariq Cohen was a weapon in the passing game for the Chicago Bears. So I, I sort of want to get a, a feeling for will Harris get targets because that's just 
how Trubisky is comfortable operating? Do they need to kind of scheme things for him to get those targets? Uh, that's one thing that I, I don't have an answer to yet and, and something that I want to kind of watch and, and kind of keep an eye on. And again, maybe a couple weeks into the season before we even get a good gauge on that one. Um, in Minnesota, Kirk Cousins signs a one-year deal, uh, an extension worth $35 million. I'm sorry, I have to just I have to stop and catch my breath that why $35 million for Kirk Cousins on the, the one Ford year. Mayweather of quarterbacks, man. No one's better at legalized bank robbing than he is. I mean, just a get the bag all-star, right? For uh, for <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Um and so he but really I so I, I so I look at this though, right? And this is a guy who the last few years has been a fringe QB one, right? Last year he finishes as the QB eleven. Uh, 2020, he was the QB 11 there. 2019, uh, where was he? He's QB 13, so just outside the top 12. 2018, uh, QB 11 again. I mean, I'm sensing a theme here. 2017, uh, his last really big year where he was the QB 6. Um, I'm not so much worried about the salary because it's not coming out of my pocket. But in terms of fantasy football... Do we still trust him to be a QB1? Is he still that fringe guy that kind of hangs around the bottom part of the top 12 uh, every week? He At year's end, he probably will be. I, I don't have him ranked in my in my early top 12. Uh, I, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago, and he was just outside the top 12, but then we had to since add Tom Brady in. Um, look, there's, there's a lot of talent at the quarterback position. There's the elite three that I, I mentioned earlier. Then there's... Kyler, Brady, Lamar, Burrow, Russ, Rodgers. I, I can't put him over any of those guys. I still have him behind like Jalen Hurts and Dak and Trey Lance, who I am very excited about uh, next season, and Stafford. So that's that's 12 names right there. So he's I have like him and Justin Fields and, and who knows with Deshaun Watson as well. Those guys are like in a tier right outside the top 12 that they all have top 12 potential, but... You there's only you know you can only fit twelve names and there's like fifteen candidates so Kirk because I think his upside is lower than the bunch uh, I have him outside of it but he'll probably be a quarterback one at year's end yeah it just it just you know after all these years we sort of know what we get with Kirk Cousins um, there will be huge games there will be some really bad games uh, and you're right at the end of the year you may ride the roller coaster and he'll be you know hanging around eleven or twelve and you know he's fine. Uh, I guess the other part of it is, if you are drafting Kirk Cousins, you're probably drafting a second quarterback. Yes. You're, you're not you're not drafting him to be your weekly starter, so you sort of understand that uh, going in. Uh, other bit of quarterback news for free agency: Teddy Bridgewater gets a one-year deal worth up to ten million dollars with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we have seen Bridgewater can kind of be a nice seat filler. I didn't want to say bridge quarterback because it just seemed too, you know, hacky, but. Uh, is this good news or bad news for Tua, who just always seems to be on the hot seat no matter what he does? Uh, I feel like bringing in a guy like Teddy, if you're, if you're Tua, you're kind of kind of looking over your shoulder because, you know, a, a couple of bad games, they've got a competent backup right there. Yeah, I, I think this is bad news for Tua. I get it. Like, he's missed a lot of time due to injury. You, you needed a better backup than someone like Jacoby Brissett, who did a solid job. But Teddy Bridgewater, I, I think we would all agree, is, is the better option there. This, yeah, like you said, a couple bad games out of Tua, and you're going to hear a lot of rumblings about getting Teddy in there because Teddy isn't, you know, he's not a like a, an all-star or anything like that, but he's just a very serviceable, like, average league average starting quarterback where I'm not 
so sure Tua is just yet. I think Tua's upside is higher, and that's why they'll ride with him. But, yeah, it, it's definitely not great. And I was also surprised, given all the teams that need quarterbacks, that Teddy took a backup job, like, on day one. <laughs> I was a little surprised by that. Yeah, that is a little bit surprising because we're talking about teams that are still looking. I mean, the Seahawks are still looking. The Colts are still looking. I mean, technically the, the Saints and Falcons, I guess, are sort of looking. Uh, and... I can tell you as of right now, there's another team that potentially is looking for a quarterback. And that's the Cleveland Browns. Um, they were very much flirting with uh, Deshaun Watson over the last couple of days. Uh, Baker Mayfield put out, you know, you always know when somebody's feelings are really hurt because they go to the notes app and then they type a big long statement and then they put it on Instagram and Twitter. Um, that's what happened with Baker Mayfield. We also learned that his middle name is Reagan, which to me was kind of the biggest takeaway in that whole thing. Uh, but... Baker Mayfield has requested a trade. This reported by uh, our Good own Tom Pelissero. Uh, sure. Uh, I... I'm not a Baker guy. I'm not a Baker fan. I'm just going to put that out there. But I kind of love this because all the reports that were coming, they were like, oh, we only were going to move on from you if we could get a better. It's like, all right, well, then move on from me now. I, I kind of <laughs> like that. I feel like these are two toxic people uh, who are experiencing a really public divorce. Um, you know, like... Is there anyone, uh, any famous people that come to mind right now? Hmm, I can't imagine. <laughs> can't imagine. Maybe somebody that, you know, rhymes with Stim Stardashian. I don't know, maybe. Uh, yeah, so Baker has requested a trade. Um, according to Pelissero, Cleveland had been hoping to move forward after its Deshaun Watson pursuit and offered to fly to Texas to meet with Mayfield. But from the QB's perspective, the bridge is burned and it's time to move on now. So, uh, I mean, I guess I get it from both sides. Uh, Baker's Kanye. To... Right. And uh, who's Pete <laughs> Davidson now? That's what we got to figure out. I, I mean, we'll find out, right? I guess whoever they <laughs> trade for uh, automatically becomes Pete Davidson. <laughs> I don't know if that's a. I don't know if that's a. Uh, you think that quarterback will tattoo Browns on their chest? <laughs> uh, Pete Davidson is going to space, by the way. Which is wild. <laughs> he's the biggest winner of all of that. Right. Like, he, I don't understand. Like, I, he's got something going on, and I need a little bit of that in my life because, man, Pete Davidson uh, is he's, – he's apparently it. Uh, oh, other big news. I knew things were going to happen as we were recording this. Pelissero reporting right now, Allen Robinson to the Rams. Um, wow. So let's just let's just talk about that right now. Uh, Allen Robinson to the Rams. Um, obviously, it's a good landing spot for him. Uh, he's going to be in a situation where you know there's he's in a good offense. We can now say. Matthew Stafford is the best quarterback that <laughs> Allen Robinson will have played with, right? We can say that. Now the question is, does this mean Odell Beckham is gone from Los Angeles? I would imagine so. Like, no, sorry, Odell. Like, you're, you're out most, if not all, of the season, Allen Robinson. And, and, like, Robert Woods is also rehabbing from, from an ACL, so... Oh man, Allen Robinson's gonna come in, slide in right there, be be their number two. I think Odell leaves. My question is, how does this all look when Robert Woods is back and healthy? Because, right. like, I mean, we know I don't know if Cooper Cup's gonna get his, you know, ten to thirteen target. Like, it might be more like you know ten now instead of like those weeks where he was having like thirteen, fourteen targets a week. But 
Allen Robinson, he's one of the weirdest players right now, I think, because last year, everything across the board, not just, you know, like his yards and stuff, but his per route, per target numbers were all down. But I chalk it up to just him not wanting to be there. He let it be known that he did not want to be in Chicago. Um, I, I don't think Matt Nagy and, the, and those guys really had the proper game plan for him. So I'm excited to see what Allen Robinson could be here. But for fantasy, he's def- he's no longer a wide receiver one now, right? No, I can't imagine so. Um, because he's going to have to share targets, right? Um, so, I mean, right now they've got obviously Cooper Cup. Uh, Robert Woods will be back. Allen Robinson is there. Van Jefferson is there. And you know that I am a self-proclaimed Van Stan, but, oh, you know, poor Van. Van Jefferson takes another hit. Uh, he just can't catch a break, right? Like, you know, it seems like maybe he's going to step up and get opportunities. OBJ comes in there. Uh, it just never seems to work out for him. This is going to push him back a little bit. Does this make, in, in the, the conversation now for first wide receiver off the board, though, does this give the advantage to Devontae Adams knowing that Allen Robinson is going to take some targets away from Cooper Cup? I I kind of think it does because we, we've we talked a lot about it. I, I kind of thought it was like a 1A, 1B situation where I had Cup 1, but if anyone said Devontae Adams, I would be like, okay, that makes total sense. <laughs> right. Um, but now just off of volume, yeah, like because – Cooper Cup, I thought regression was going to come either way for after what he just did last season. But now you have another receiver there that's going to probably see seven, eight targets a game. And then once Robert Woods is back and fully healthy, he's going to get his. And then the running backs will take some away. So, yeah, I still think Cooper Cup is, you know, an elite option. Still number two wide receiver off the board, I would say. Devontae Adams, I, I think you could put him ahead of him. Does this put either of Chase or Jefferson ahead of him for you? Um, maybe Jefferson. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's tough. Um, but but maybe Jefferson because I think as we've seen Adam Thielen sort of start to decline, I think you're seeing Jefferson kind of get more volume. Um, you know, as much as I love Jamar Chase, they're still going to get the ball to T. Higgins. Uh, they're still going to get the ball to Tyler Boyd. There's still a lot more weapons there. There are fewer weapons, I think, in the passing game in Minnesota, and that is uh, is sort of the the, the issue there. Um, I just got a tweet. Uh, does this mean we have an L.A. versus L.A. Super Bowl? Are we going to see Rams Chargers? Because the Chargers have loaded up, too. Uh, do we see Rams Chargers in the Super Bowl? Which A hundred percent possible. Like, I, they should play that one at SoFi, too, by the way. They really should. Like, <laughs> they that, should and have the same halftime show. Just Just – Embrace LA. I, I put out on Twitter the other day that the Chargers Bills AFC Championship game is going to be awesome. And like, I truly, it sounds wild. Like, as of right now, if you ask me to pick division winners, I would take the Chargers over the Chiefs. I think they are that good. Yeah. And outside of the Bucks and Packers, there's really no threat to the Rams. So the Rams could easily get back to the Super Bowl. So LALA is definitely on tap for 2022, although I'm hoping. I'm hoping my Bills crash the party. Yeah, I mean, look, the AFC is going to be just a straight-up brawl this year. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the NFC, I think there's maybe three or four teams that you can see go to the Super Bowl. Um, the AFC is going to be just a rock fight every week. It's going to be... I don't know if I've ever seen a conference with this much talent. Like, man. so loaded. I mean, it is so... I 
I remember when I was growing up and I was a kid, I lived through that run where the NFC won, I think it was like 13 straight Super Bowls or something like that, where they, they dominated like the 80s and into the early to mid 90s. Um, and they were loaded like that. But yeah, this this might be on par with that. Like, um, you know, it's good the Rams won one because the AFC just might be loaded up to win a whole bunch of Super Bowls uh, in a row in the in the very near future. Um, all right, well, since we're talking about wide receivers, that's a perfect transition to the wide receiver portion of our program here. Um, what happened maybe just before free agency, and this wasn't a free agent deal, but a trade. Uh, oh, speaking of which, um, this sort of plays in. Uh, apparently, according to Mary Kay Cabot, the Browns have told Baker Mayfield's agent that they are not accommodating his request. <laughs> so Baker says he wants out. The Browns are like, nah. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll see that stay tuned, buckle up for that. Cause it's going to be interesting. But in the meantime, whoever the quarterback in, in Cleveland is going to be, we know is going to be throwing to Amari Cooper. Uh, as of this moment, that quarterback appears to be Baker Mayfield. Um, does this, does this help or hurt Amari Cooper's value leaving Dak Prescott and, and Dallas? I think it hurts it a little bit because I think there's a quarterback downgrade there. I'll take Dak over Baker or whoever is going to be their quarterback next year because I don't think there's an available quarterback better than Dak because they were already out on Deshaun Watson. Um, the thing about Amari Cooper, though, is I always felt like he was overrated, especially as a member of the Cowboys. Like, he would get drafted as a boy... At, his first year in Dallas, he was getting drafted as a wide receiver one. And since then, it's been very borderline. Like, if he's not a wide receiver one, he's just outside of it. And the thing is, he's only finished as a wide receiver one once in his career. And in points per game, 15 is his best finish. So, I, I think that this trade will allow him to be more of a... boot. Like, he'll get valued as a wide receiver two in fantasy... And I think that's who he is. Like, he's very boomer bust. He'll have some huge games. He'll have some disappointing games. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think he is now going to be more properly valued because Dallas players just get overhyped. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the case. I also think, I think with Amari Cooper, I think a lot of it started with, remember, like, he was with the Raiders. And for whatever reason, for a good year, the Raiders just forgot how to use him. Uh, and then he went to Dallas and he immediately picked up and was super productive. And I think everybody has sort of remembered that and maybe that's had something to do with it. Um, I will say that the last year, year or two, he was a lot more consistent. The, the thing about it, for me, Amari Cooper was that guy that when you just looked at his season long stats, you're like, wow, this guy was really good. But anybody who had him on the on their fantasy team knew the ups and downs and the week-to-week the -week, you know, questions about how productive uh, he was going to be. Um, so I, I don't know. I think, I think so much of his value and his potential production is going to be impacted by who the quarterback is. Uh, I like him a lot less with Baker Mayfield uh, at the quarterback spot. Um, you know, obviously the, the Browns are out on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. So uh, I think you're right. I think he's a wide receiver too. Um, we'll see that's if I'm thinking. We'll, we'll see if the rest of fantasy Twitter agrees and that that's how, uh, how he's drafted. But uh, man, things are getting wild in Cleveland. So we'll see how this is going to shake I'm out. I'm ready for emo Baker commercials next year. Oh man, they're going to be so emo.
<laughs> I don't follow. I, I might have to start following him on Twitter. Like, I don't really follow a lot of athletes on social media, but I might have to follow just to see if he's like putting out like just generic emo looking out at the ocean sadly kind of tweets or something like that. His we'll new see. commercial, like someone like rings the stadium bell and he just like, go away. Like, <laughs> he just sh- shows up in a robe like he hadn't <laughs> shaved for like three weeks. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, down in Jacksonville, uh, obviously the big priority this offseason was to figure out how to build around Trevor Lawrence. And the Jaguars went out and spent big on the very first day of the free agency period. They signed Christian Kirk. They signed Zay Jones. I I know when they first signed Christian Kirk, there was a lot of chatter and a lot of like, wow. And to me, it felt sort of like the high of free agency beginning that everybody's like, wow, this is exciting. And I kind of looked at it as like, eh, because I have, you know, I really tried to be a Christian Kirk stand and I've always been let down. And so I, I you know I said last year that I think I finally let go of the rope. Um, they signed Christian Kirk. They signed Zay Jones. They lose DJ Chark to Detroit. And when you look at this wide receiver core now versus what it was last year, like, is this really an upgrade? It feels sort of the same as what they had before. I I think it's a little bit of an upgrade. I don't think it's a huge one. And I, I, we could talk about if Christian Kirk is worth the money he's getting, but I do think Christian Kirk slides in and becomes their wide receiver one right away, particularly because what he does well, like last year, I, I know D hop was hurt. But Kirk was actually the the Cardinals' best receiver on balls of 20-plus air yards, and he would have been the Jags as well. So I'm thinking that he he brings some speed that they were missing because, like, Marvin Jones isn't a fast guy. Chenault has some speed, but not not like, uh, like Kirk has. So I, I think that alone, it, it brings some depth, too, because we saw their wide receiver depth really tested after Chuck went down last year and then after Jamal Agnew went down. So I, I like the, the moves for that point for me this is an offense where I don't love any of the individual pieces like I don't love Christian Kirk or Marvin Jones or but I think all of them together plus with the fact that they went out and spent big to upgrade their offensive line I think Trevor Lawrence is the winner here not like Christian Kirk or any specific one of his pieces I just think it's a better all-around cast and much better head coach situation than it was last year so I think Trevor Lawrence is a I'm still not giving up on him yet. I was high on him last year. I think we could see a big year two leap. So are we still, I mean, you're still drafting him as a QB two though, right? He's not, he's not a, yeah. a QB one at this point, right? He'd be one that I would pay. If, like if I ended up with Kirk Cousins as my lone quarterback, I would pair to like Trevor Lawrence and get like okay. a safe and upside kind of guy. Um, does this mean I need to give up on my LaVisca Chenault dream? Is it dead now? It fe- like they said they might cut him or trade him. Trade like, him or cut him, right. Yeah. Maybe that's what he needs though, because it's not happening in Jacksonville. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, and people have asked me uh about it. <laughs> um and like I, I still want to kind of wave the flag for him, but I, I it's getting harder. So you, uh you we'll watch see. him play though, and you're like, this guy's he's got talent. <clears throat> he does. They just, they've never figured out how to unlock it in Jacksonville. Um, and I would think that with a new coaching staff, um, you know, maybe they're just trying to bring in their people and just sort of build it, uh, build the offense to their liking. And he just probably doesn't fit. So maybe he goes somewhere else. Um, hey, man, go to Atlanta. They figured out how to unlock Cordero Patterson. Maybe they can figure out LaVisca Chenault, too. Uh, and goodness that knows would be a fun wide, offense. Goodness knows they need wide receivers there. Um, but since we're talking about DJ Chark, he does go to the Lions one year. $10 million. 
I will tell you that I woke up on Tuesday morning and as I was getting my kid ready uh, for daycare to get him out of the house, uh, scrolling Twitter, and there was just an ongoing argument about Amon Ross St. Brown. And I will tell you that it was like, it felt like waking up in the middle of freeway traffic. I'm like, what on earth is happening? Why is there so much anger? What is what is going on here? So now that we've had a chance to kind of, you know, watch this over a couple of days, is this good or bad for Amon Ross St. Brown? I think this is good for him. I, I know, yeah, the panic anytime a team signs any player in this time of year is, is definitely out of control on fantasy Twitter. But... My thing is, like, DJ Chark had a good five-game stretch two years ago. Amon Ross St. Brown had one of the best stretches to end a rookie season that we've ever seen. Why would we assume that a guy who signed a one-year deal is suddenly going to come in and be their top, their number one wide receiver or something like that? And my thing on Amon Ross St. Brown is when he had that big stretch at the end of the year, it was after they brought in Josh Reynolds. Because before that... The Lions had no one capable of stretching the field, so defenses could just load up near the line of scrimmage. I don't think it's a, a coincidence that once they got someone and connected on a couple of deep balls, Amon Ross St. Brown underneath started dominating. And I think having another field stretcher like Chark, who isn't going to, in my opinion, going to get a bunch of targets each week. I think he'll, he'll have some weeks where he gets more than others. He's going to get a couple of deep shots per game. Um, I don't love Chark for fantasy, but I think that actually helps Amon Ross St. Brown. And my other thing on that is like everyone just assumes that TJ Hawkinson is going to come back in and be the top target. When the last month that those two were healthy, they were seeing an equal target share. And again, Amon Ross St. Brown had a better stretch to end last season than TJ Hawkinson has ever had in his NFL career. Yeah, I mean, look, I, the thing about, about St. Brown, and I said this all from you know, training camp and early in the season that there had been so much talk about him kind of being that safety blanket for Jared Goff, much like Cooper Cup was those years in Los Angeles. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Almon Ra is going to put together a Cooper Cup kind of season, but in terms of what he can mean in that offense, and I think that's what we saw late in the year, I don't think that just goes away. Uh, and I think it doesn't necessarily go away for a guy like DJ Chark, nice player, um, I don't think he's going to command targets like that. So I don't know that this has a major impact on Amon Ross St. Brown. I, you know, maybe he's not putting up ridiculous numbers fantasy-wise like he did those last six weeks of the season. But I do think uh, that he's still going to see a whole lot of op uh, whole lot of opportunity. I don't think he fades away. Um, but you know what? If you guys want to argue over it and then, you know depress that ADP, I'm here for it. So, uh, you know. That's the well, best part of all of it. <laughs> right. You guys want to argue about it and let that draft position fall. I'm totally there to kind of scoop it up uh, and make it happen. Um, and because we're doing minute-by-minute minute Baker Mayfield updates, uh, this tweet from Josina Anderson saying, uh, she has been told the Seahawks have discussed exploring acquiring Baker Mayfield at quarterback. So they've talked about talking about it. Um Whatever. So they are a quarterback needy team, obviously, after trading Russell Wilson. Um, if you're Drew Locke, you can't feel really great about this. So maybe he's going to be the next butthurt quarterback who wants a trade because the anyway, I, I think they would be like, wherever you want to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, OK. All right. Fine. Let's let's figure <laughs> it out. Um Couple of quarter uh, of Cowboys wide receivers making moves. Michael Gallup resigns with Dallas for five years, sixty-two and a half million dollars. Cedric Wilson leaving Dallas to go to Miami for a three-year deal, twenty-two point eight million dollars. Uh, first with Gallup, 
Uh, there's this guy a couple years ago went over a thousand yards. We thought maybe he could really kind of make the leap. Uh, had injury issues. You know, also had to compete with C.D. Lamb for targets. Uh, with Noah Amari Cooper, though, does Gallup finally make the leap this year? If Gallup didn't tear his ACL in January, I would have said yes. But him tearing it in January makes me believe that he is not going to be ready to start the season. He might start on on the pup list. Who knows? Uh, obviously, we're we're still a very long ways away, but I don't anticipate seeing him be 100%, at least not for a good stretch of the season. My approach with Michael Gallup right now is uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be super in on him in drafts this year. Maybe if there's a buy low opportunity or even if he gets cut, if he's on the pup list or something like that. Then I could acquire him. I think 2023, though, is a huge year for Michael Gallup. I, I think that's when, you know, we'll finally get the Gallup year we've been waiting on. It just stinks for him that now he's getting the opportunity in the offense, but he's just not healthy. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably fair. Uh, and this is a guy that uh, our old pal Hytham Kalani uh, gives me a hard time. Asking, he asks me secretly if uh, if Gallup is is an unknown part of the Grant family for as much as I uh, have been a fan of his and promoting him every single year. So yeah, you're right. This year might not be quite so much, uh, but Dynasty folks take note. Maybe there's a, a future for uh, for Michael Gallup there in Dallas. As for Cedric Wilson, um, are there enough targets to go around? I mean, we heard Mike McDaniel really hype up Jalen Waddle. Mike Gesicki is back. Uh, Devontae Parker, I believe, is still there. Are there enough targets in this offense for Cedric Wilson to actually have any fantasy relevance? I I don't think. I, I think he's a much better piece for the Dolphins than he is for fantasy. Like, he'll have some big games, but it's going to be very hard to predict when they are, I think, as long as everyone stays healthy. Uh, for me, in this offense, Jalen Waddell, I think, is a wide receiver one. I'm really excited. And, and I think that Cedric Wilson playing the slot kind of pushes Waddle outside more which is a more explosive role for him so i'm excited to see that um but like i'm out on like wilson and Devonte parker because i just i don't think there's enough volume to go around and gaseki because he's a tight end and because i he might be the second target I, i'll still draft him but the other two receivers I, I don't anticipate having a whole lot of yeah i think i think for me it's it is it's just waddle and gaseki those are the only guys there that uh, i have any really interest in in the uh, in the dolphins passing game um you do have some running back news though but we will get to that after a break this was a hefty uh first part of the show we got a lot more to talk about so stick around for that on the nfl fantasy football show you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish Shop now at a store near you. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. 
Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, so in the uh, moments or so that uh, we were, you know, play- paying some bills here, nothing has happened with Baker Mayfield. He's still a Cleveland Brown. Uh, he is still presumably salty about being a Cleveland Brown. Um, and I don't know, the Browns may have to buy him flowers or a diamond ring or something to see if they can, uh, you know, patch things up here. Um... Let's look at some running backs here because we know that, uh, you know, running backs in free agency don't really get a whole lot of love. And so far, there hasn't been a ton of movement at the position. Uh, But one that happened uh, just recently, I think within the last uh, few hours, um, not really a major surprise, but Raheem Mostert signs with the Dolphins, reunites with Mike McDaniel. They were together, obviously, in San Francisco. Mostert, when he's healthy, can be really productive. The problem is when he's healthy is such a big part of his story. Uh, I, I would think that that's going to be sort of baked into his draft price. But how much does this worry you? It it worries me a good like like I would be okay taking Mostert as like a, a reserve like a backup running back. I wouldn't feel comfortable having him as one of my starters, um, especially in Miami. I, I think we're gonna see. Based on the money they gave their running backs, I think Chase Edmonds will be the lead back, whereas I, I think Mostert will be the number two role. But both are have been injury-prone in the past. Both are very fast, explosive kind of runners, so they're very similar. And we know Mostert has had a lot of success in, in that 49ers run game. I expect the Mike McDaniel to kind of carry that over from San Fran. My thinking is that he could be like a... 8 to 10, maybe 12 on a good week touch kind of guy who's brought in to be like that home run hitting back because that's that's what he does. Like that he's he can break out that 70, 80 yard touchdown run, but I don't think he can handle like 20 touches a week or anything like that. No, I don't think he can either. And I, I think, you know, I, I know there's a new head coach there and it's going to be a different offense, but what we saw in the past was – you know, I think there's going to be a combination of guys. I mean, I think you're going to see Mostert. I think you're still going to see Miles Gaskin uh, getting work. What, what Savan Ahmed, is he still there? I mean, he's going to get some opportunity probably just because nothing about Mostert's past, nothing about his history has suggested 
that he can handle that sort of workload. In fact, um, his career high for a season in touches is 151. Um, he's never caught more than 16 passes in a season. I mean, he is, as you mentioned, he's kind of a home run hitter, uh, but he is not that steady workhorse sort of guy. So I don't imagine he's going to, to get that. But also I think, you know, I know we go around and round on guys that are quote unquote injury prone, but the fact is only once in his career has he played 16 games in a season. Uh, he's played 11 or more just three times. It just, he just has not been able to consistently stay on the field. And so I think that's going to sort of impact how people feel about him. But at least we know he's going to a place where he's familiar with the offense. So uh, there will not be a learning curve in terms of uh, kind of getting up to speed there in Miami. Um, James Conner staying with Arizona, three-year, $21 million extension. You look at the numbers last year. And it was phenomenal for James Conner, right? I mean, this is a guy who finished the season uh, as a top five running back. But when you break it down, and I know we've talked about this, touchdowns were so much a part of it, right? He had 18 total touchdowns, 15 rushing touchdowns, really just ran for 750 yards, uh, did a lot of work when Chase Edmonds was hurt. Um, in a lot of ways, it just feels like a situation that can't necessarily be duplicated. Where are you comfortable drafting him this year? Yeah, I, I not as a top five running back. Uh, <laughs> I, I like I don't know if people realize how good he was with no Chase Edmonds. Like he was averaging over twenty six fantasy points per game, and he showed that hey, I can be a pass catcher. I'm making one handed grabs on national TV every week. Um, but like you said, eighteen touchdowns not gonna happen again. I I do think he can get double digit touchdowns. I went on um the fantasy frenzy yesterday and was talking with MJD about it. And I said, I think I don't have him Connor as an RB one. I think he is in that like back end RB one discussion, but I just feel more comfortable with him as a high end RB two. I said someone that I would be comfortable taking in like the early third round, if that could work out. MJD said late second. I think that's the proper range for him. Like on that two, three turn, uh, as like a borderline RB one high end RB two, I wouldn't be paying up any higher than that. Yeah, and I'm I'm sort of curious to see how everyone else sort of feels about him because that's that's about what I think. I think he's a very good running back. I think he's going to be productive. Um, but I think if you are drafting him expecting that he's going to be a top five guy, you may be a little bit disappointed because, you know, 15 rushing touchdowns does not feel like it's, no pun intended, in the cards again <laughs> for James Conner down there in Arizona. Um, you know, and the, the 375 receiving yards seem nice, but, you know, if they have a, a healthy second running back there, I don't know that he gets that either. The one thing about Cliff Kingsbury, he has consistently occupied uh, or utilized rather kind of a 60-40 split when it comes to his running backs. And so I, I think that's probably going to be the case there. So I, I just don't see like a big workhorse role uh, for, uh, for James Conner. Um, J.D. McKissick. For a minute, uh, you tweeted to me that he's sort of on the uh, the Antonio Brown plan, right? It looked like he was going to be a Buffalo Bill. It seemed like he had agreed to a deal and he was all set uh, to, to be in Buffalo. Then last minute sort of reversed course and decided he was going to stay in Washington. So he re-signs with the commanders. Uh, he goes back to Washington. So all of the premature excitement for Antonio Gibson uh, got to be put on hold. So... What now? Is he still a second-round pick? How, how are we feeling about him? He's an RB2 that I do not 
really feel great about drafting. I, I thought with if J.D. McKissick was gone, RB1 year for, for Antonio Gibson is, is on board. But with McKissick there, we know he's going to uh, get the third down rolls. We know he's going to get the two-minute drills. We know that he's going to be very pesky. Like, that was a thing for each of the last two seasons. Uh, and, and it seems to me like they don't feel comfortable with Antonio Gibson in pass protection. And that's why they want J.D. McKissick here. So... While Antonio Gibson is an RB2, he's kind of one of those boring RB2s that's not going to catch a whole bunch of passes. You're going to be relying <laughs> on touchdowns. So for me, I, as of right now, I don't anticipate myself drafting a whole lot of Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, for me, has he's starting to fall into that Miles Sanders category in the sense of we want to love Antonio Gibson, but Washington is showing us that they don't love him the same way we do. Um, you know, the fact that they were all too happy to welcome J.D. McKissick back. Um, so I know part of the argument after this happened uh, was that, well, look, if you guys are waiting for J.D. McKissick to clear the deck in order for Antonio Gibson to have the breakout, then maybe that says something. And I sort of understand that argument. I guess for me, I wasn't thinking that that Gibson was going to somehow morph into a three down back that you know you could feel comfortable drafting high in the first round that you knew was going to be a a, a solid legit you know knocking on the door of elite RB one, but not having McKissick there to me potentially opened up some targets and I think that's the part where I I want to see more from Gibson right this was a guy who remember famously was a wide receiver in college that ran the football occasionally. And then he got to Washington and they sort of reversed that and made him a running back who catches the football occasionally. I was hoping that McKissick leaving meant more targets coming for Gibson. I don't see that coming now. I think you see him stuck kind of around that, you know, 50 to 55 targets. Uh, maybe he gets you about 45 catches. Decent numbers. I just want more. And for me, that was sort of the frustration of McKissick coming back uh, is that it just sort of eats into that, that pass catching opportunity. For Buffalo... We've talked about, you know, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, what this backfield is, what it could be. Um, on its face, not having McKissick there means yay, Devin Singletary. But, Florio, I look at this as saying uh, the Bills want to find somebody else to put in that backfield. So I don't know that we can get comfortable thinking big, good, happy things for Devin Singletary because it just seems like Buffalo wants somebody else to compliment him there. And that, to me, because I agree with you, and I think that's the scary part for Devin Singletary. Like, if it was J.D. McKissick, we could pigeonhole him into the same role, like third down, two-minute drills. But, like, the goal on work probably goes to Devin Singletary. The early down work probably goes to Devin Singletary. Who, Singletary, is a, he's a better runner than he gets credit for. He's an okay receiver out of the backfield. So I thought McKissick was, like, a great complimentary piece there. If they go out and they get, you know, a different running back in, in free agency or maybe in, like, they, they love drafting running backs in the third round. If they do something like that, all of a sudden that could mean someone who could take some some touches away on the ground as well. So I, I want Devin Singletary to be an RB2, and I think he can be if the Bills believed in him as a lead back. But I, I keep thinking we're going to get another piece added on here and Singletary will be... An RB3, I think he'll be better than he has been in years past, but he won't be as good as he was down the stretch last year. I, I think that's fair. Um, I also think that right now, if you are Zach Moss, 
you're really unhappy <laughs> uh, because you were already sort of getting pushed to the background. And now it seems like the Bills are also trying to add another running back. So that that is nervous time if uh, if I am Zach Moss right now. Um, we do have some tight end news, uh, surprisingly. There have been a few tight end signings. Let's start with the one that we uh, are not surprised about. doesn't really mean as much. I was saying it doesn't mean as much. Zach Ertz stays with, with Arizona. You and I had both said uh, that it just made the most sense for him to stay in Arizona. He was very productive. Three years, uh, $31.65 million. Uh, is he a tight end one in drafts now? I think so. Uh, I, I just actually earlier today finished up my early top 12 tight ends article for next year, and he's in my top 10. Uh, he was really productive last year with the Cardinals. He was the tight end six overall, I believe, in that stretch with uh, Arizona. And look, Christian Kirk is gone. A.J. Green is still a free agent. They haven't brought anyone to replace him. So there's DeAndre Hopkins, there's Rondell Moore, and there's Zach Ertz. Like, Zach Ertz is probably the second target uh, on this team. And if D-Hop misses time again, he probably becomes the number one like he did last year. So I, I know his upside isn't isn't super like sexy or anything like that but i think he is a very safe tight end one for fantasy but yeah no i look i zach Ertz is i think i think you're right i think he's a tight end one i think he you know everything points to him uh having another good year in in arizona it just it just made so much sense uh i feel like this is sort of what everybody was anticipating so no really major surprise here but i think it's a good fit for everybody um evan ingram he signs with the Jaguars, too. We talked about them adding uh, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. They also go get Evan Ingram. Is this the year? Do we finally make Fetch happen? Does this finally work with Evan Ingram in Jacksonville? Look, you, you can make fun of me for this. Uh, I'm sure people listening will. I am not ready to quit Evan Ingram just yet. Um, look, Eagles tight ends had a 32% target share during Doug Peterson's tenure with Philly. Uh, by far the highest in the NFL. And Zach Ertz individually had a four-year stretch where he saw between 106 and 156 targets. I don't think Evan Ingram sees that number, but I was in on Dan Arnold as like a late-round tight end flyer before this signing. I just think it's a favorable spot uh, within the Doug Peterson offense that loves tight ends with a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence who I think will lean on a tight end. Evan Ingram, I, I know he's not... He never lived up to expectations, but I would not be surprised if he had a career year this year. And, of course, the career year for him is like 750 yards. <laughs> um, maybe. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let him be someone <laughs> else's problem. I can't. Uh, it's like we've been through this so many times. Um, look, maybe everything you say is true and maybe it works out. Uh, again, seven... Rookie year, 64 catches, 722 yards, six touchdowns. Those all remain career highs. He has not been able to match what he did as a rookie. So maybe it happens in Jacksonville. I'm not going to be the one to see it because I'm just completely And out. me being in on him is in no way, shape, or form saying he's a tight end one. He is a upside <laughs> tight end two you could draft. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Um. Uh, the Jets signed C.J. Uzama to a three-year deal. Uh, the Jets have not had a relevant tight end in fantasy probably in my lifetime. Um, Zach Wilson, I think, needs a lot of work from what we saw last year. Is Uzama still on the tight end? I mean, he was kind of a streamer last year. Is he even that right now? I think that's like kind of what his upside is here. Like, I, He's 
a big play threat, so I think he'll have some big games, but it no way is he a consistent like tight end one or even like a high end tight end two to me. I think he's just more you hope to see something early on and maybe you stream him after that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think also the same can be said of Hayden Hurst, who now takes over for Uzama in uh, in Cincinnati. He signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. That happened uh, just as we started uh, recording this show earlier. Uh, we've been doing this show for like over an hour now. It feels like a week. Um, but <laughs> the Bengals signed Hayden Hurst. I would think the same kind of applies to him. Uh, speaking of your bills, though, they signed O.J. Howard, who... I always say this, still his greatest catch was a foul ball at a Tampa Bay Rays game. Uh, it's still the best catch we have seen O.J. Howard ever make. I, I like the Dawson. You like the Dawson. Uh, does this mean we have to downgrade the Dawson with O.J. Howard there? I think so. N not a whole lot, but when I was writing my early top 12 tight ends, I got to 11 before I started to really consider Dawson Knox uh, after this signing. For me, it's like he's like borderline with like Mike Gusecki, Logan Thomas to round out the top 12. Uh, but I, I think he might like if you have him just outside the top 12, I, I think that's fine. Because um, you look at what he did last season, like 49 catches, solid, 587 yards. That's not great. And then it was nine touchdowns. So we know, Marcus, trusting touchdowns could be unreliable year by year. So. Because of that, I, I had him just outside the top 10. And after the signing, I, I believe I finished with him at 13 behind uh, Mike Gusecki. But if you if you wanted to flip-flop those two, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, I mean, Howard, you know, his biggest thing is his athleticism. Um, and I think that's what the Bills want to kind of take advantage of. I wouldn't be surprised if we see both of them on the field together quite a lot next year. But uh, it's hard to believe that Knox, uh, you know, does what he did last year. And as you mentioned, the touchdowns were such a large part of it. Um, if that number comes down, then I think, you know, it's, it's hard to see him being consistently relevant for fantasy. So, all right. Those are the notable signings. I don't think I missed any really notable ones. Uh, I think I got all of the major ones. But there are still a ton of guys that are out there and available. Um, let's talk quarterbacks here. Now, maybe the two most interesting quarterback names uh, I guess we can make it three because I guess Baker Mayfield wants out. Uh, again, Baker update, still a Brown, still wants a trade. Brown still saying no. That's where we are from, you know, half hour ago. Um, Deshaun Watson, you know, the, the trade talks have heated up, um, you know, Side note to this, uh, Greg Rosenthal, I thought, had a really good point that he mentioned uh, on NFL Network. You can go find the actual video clip on his Twitter account, but basically saying, look, whoever, whoever acquires Deshaun Watson, uh, that franchise and the player himself are really going to have to do a lot of work, I think, to sort of explain themselves to the fan base, to the public, because... Uh, you know, while the criminal case has been dropped, there are still 22 civil suits happening. Um, and there are a lot of people that don't necessarily want Deshaun Watson on their football team. So whoever uh, whoever acquires him, uh, you know, that team and team Deshaun are going to have to answer don't to Don't acquire him should have to as well. Like if you met with him and you pushed your starting quarterback out of, the, out of town for him. You should have to explain yourself. You probably should. No, I think that's I think that's absolutely fair. But uh, I thought Greg really articulated it well, so I, I really would recommend going to his Twitter account, uh, Greg Rosenthal, and uh, and seeing the video clip there where, where he sort of talks about that. But just from a football standpoint, it seems like it is down to the Falcons and the Saints. Um, is there one spot you think that's better than the other? There, I no. 
I think that's the right answer. <laughs> they both have pretty gross supporting cast around him. Um, selfishly, because of how invested I am in Kyle Pitts, I, I think Atlanta would be a lot of fun just to see them two play together. But, like, Michael Thomas is still there, and Michael Thomas is someone you, in early drafts, you were getting as a wide receiver three, and I was like, cool, I'll draft him there, because he's not going to be a wide receiver three come August. He's just not. Um, and, and especially if they sign Deshaun Watson, then I think Michael Thomas is right back in the wide receiver one discussion. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. I, if Wherever he goes, wherever Watson lands, he is going to boost all the guys around him, right? So that means Michael Thomas gets a boost. Uh, and he goes back to, I don't know, does he still stay a slant boy? I don't know, but he still gets a whole bunch of targets and a bunch of catches. Um, I do think, though, the other part of this is that wherever Watson goes, you're going to have guys that want to sign in that spot. Um, and we'll talk about some of these free agent wide receivers in just a bit. Um, so maybe that is sort of the hope for any of these teams, whether it's the Saints or the Falcons, that, that Watson alone can help bring some wide receiver talent and of course there's obviously still the draft where they can go out and add some wide receiver talent uh, if necessary as well um but I, I don't know that there's one of those two teams that is ostensibly better than the other just on its face uh, for deshaun watson so once that domino falls it seems as though the next one is going to be jimmy garoppolo and it feels like the, the trade market for him has fluctuated. At first, it seemed like maybe there was going to be a lot, and the Niners were asking for a ton. Um, then it got to the point where, wow, maybe it doesn't look like there's going to be quite as much because teams have made a lot of moves, and, and maybe the Niners overplayed their hand, to being back to, hey, you know what? Maybe there's still a chance that they can get a, a day two pick for, uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll sort of ask the same question. Is there a spot, assuming that the Niners trade him, that seems to make more sense for him fantasy-wise than anywhere else. Um, I, the Browns suddenly are in play, I think. Uh, they, <laughs> they have a lot of talent there that, that needs a quarterback. Um, the other team that misses out on Deshaun Watson, uh, is one that I know is kind of out of the running for him, too, that I think would make sense, is the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I mean, DJ Moore is really talented. Robbie Anderson is a is a good wide receiver. I, I'm a big fan of Terrace Marshall Jr. They just added Higgins, who is not a fantasy receiver, but is a solid real-life receiver. So they just need a quarterback there, too, with, with CMC there as well. So the Panthers are, are the team that I think, or the Browns, would be the best fantasy fit. But I think they're, like, there was a rumor, like, oh, can they get a, will they be able to trade him? And I'm I'm still thinking very much so, yes. There's still a good number of teams out there in need of a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we're looking around here. I mean, the Seahawks are, are talking about looking for a quarterback. The Colts, uh, you mentioned the Browns and whatever this, this, this Baker situation is. Um, I mean, there's still a handful of teams, whether, you know, whoever loses out on in, in this, uh, this Watson thing uh, is going to be looking for a quarterback. Although, uh, somebody just tweeted just moments ago, um, if Deshaun Watson does decide to go to Atlanta, this carousel is going to spin a whole lot more, right? Because Deshaun Watson being in Atlanta pushes Matt Ryan out. Matt Ryan is certainly going to have a market somewhere, um, you know, whether it is Seattle or what have you. Um, if the Seahawks trade for a quarterback, I mean, Drew Locke is still young. There's still going to be somebody out there who may be interested in bringing in Drew Locke. If Mitch Trubisky can get a two-year deal, Drew Locke can find a job somewhere. Um, so this thing is far from being done. The other part of this is there are three other interesting names out there at free agents. Jameis Winston, 
Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, all are currently free agents. Do any of them, you think, find starting jobs anywhere? Yeah, I think Winston 100% finds a starting job. I, I think Winston is just waiting for the other dominoes to fall because it sounds like he is the fallback plan if, if the Saints miss out on Deshaun Watson. Uh, if not, apparently the Colts have had talks with him, which to me, if I'm the Colts, sign Jameis Winston. Like, you're, you're not in on Deshaun Watson. Sign Jameis Winston right now while everyone else is paying attention to the other guy because... I would rather have Jameis Winston on the contract you're going to have to give him than give up a bunch of capital to get a Jimmy G or end up with someone like a Marcus Mariota, who I think is also in play for the Colts. I, I think just because, like you said, so much of it depends on if Matt Ryan becomes available. or But I, I think Marcus Mariota could get a chance to start maybe with the Colts, maybe with another team. Andy Dalton, we need to be done with this. Like I, I think, uh, <laughs> I, I think Andy Dalton's days as a starter are done. I think he could go the route of Joe Flacco and just like latch onto a team that seems to love you and give you a bunch of money to be their backup. Um, I, I think he could be a good backup too on a team like with a younger quarterback, maybe to help mentor him or someone with like kind of like that Tyrod Taylor on a Daniel Jones as the Daniel Jones backup. Like you're there in case of emergency, but the plan is that we don't have to see you at all. Yeah, um, yeah, I think Andy, I think Andy Dalton's sort of done as a starter. I mean, he is he's a really good backup, um, and I think that's sort of what it's going to be for him. Uh, you know, there was talk about Mariota maybe landing in Indianapolis. We'll see what happens. I mean, I feel like for all of these guys, they're going to be much later in the free agency wave. I think once teams, you know, whatever trades are going to happen, whatever other free agency signings are going to happen, then I think you're going to see teams come back and talk about Winston's and Mariota's and Dalton's uh, and that sort of thing. Um, running back, handful of names out there. Cordero Patterson is technically a free agent. Uh, he's going back to Atlanta, right? Like there just seems, that I can't imagine any other scenario but him going back to Atlanta. I, I, that's where I would go if I was him. It's the only team that found success using you as a running back receiver. Yeah, I mean, all these years of people trying to unlock him and and finally uh, Arthur Smith was able to do it. That just, that just seems like too easy. Um, Rashad Penny is uh is out there Leonard Fournette Ronald Jones we both talked about although I think the consensus is that Rojo probably is leaving Tampa maybe Lenny comes back but maybe the, the most interesting name here for me is Melvin Gordon um I know you and I talked about maybe him going somewhere else seeing if he can be a workhorse somewhere uh mostly because selfishly we want Javante Williams to get all of the love uh but Melvin has said he might come back to Denver, right? I mean, he uh, and Russ were teammates in college at Wisconsin. Um, if Melvin Gordon comes back, does that does that dash our dreams of Javante Williams being drafted in the first round? I I don't know if it would if it would knock him out of the first round. I think it should, but fantasy people uh, when when they like someone, they like someone. So <laughs> maybe they continue to draft him in the first round. My thing is, if Melvin Gordon leaves. I think Javante Williams should go in like the middle of the first round. And, and mm. I think he has the RB1 potential of being like this year's Jonathan Taylor. But if Melvin Gordon's back, Melvin Gordon isn't going to be like a regular backup running back. Like even if Javante takes a lead role, it's probably close to 50-50 like it was last season because they get to keep both of their guys healthy and, and limited the amount of touches they see. So teams don't care about what we want for fantasy. So if Melvin Gordon is, is back, it's a big blow, I think, for uh, Javante. 
Yeah, absolutely it does. I mean, I know people love him. I love him. Um, and, and we were talking about putting him in the first round, but that doesn't happen if Melvin Gordon is there. I think both guys can be productive, but this is not at all um, kind of the to-the-moon scenario that it would have been if if we knew Javante Williams was for sure the top lead workhorse running back uh, in the Denver offense. I will say this, though. Having Russell Wilson changes a lot of things. Last year, um, you compare you compare the the Broncos running game to the Seahawks running game. Um, Broncos running backs saw eight in the, eight or more in the box. I think more than twenty six percent of the time. Uh, Seahawks running backs saw eight or more in the box about sixteen percent of the time. Having a quarterback that can throw the deep ball means you don't necessarily you, you can't necessarily load up uh, near the line of scrimmage on defense. Um, so maybe this this helps. Uh, we'll see. Uh, wide receiver is where it gets interesting. I was all set to come on here and talk about what, what happens with Allen Robinson. Where does he go? But we know the answer to that. He is going to the Rams, so he is off the board. Uh, right now, your your top free agent wide receivers, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, who was released by the Titans, Jarvis Landry is still out there, Cole Beasley was released uh, by the Buffalo Bills. Juju Smith-Schuster uh, is still out there. Will Fuller, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Jamison Crowder. I know there are more names. These are the ones that seem to have the most fantasy relevance uh, at this point. Um, let me start with this Jarvis versus Juju thing, because I think, you know, people sort of look at them as very similar players. We want the Chiefs to sign a slot receiver to help out Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Is there one of these guys you think is better than the other? For, for Kansas City specifically, I, I think Juju's the better fit. He's younger. He's bigger. Uh, I think he's a little bit more explosive. So you could use him downfield more than you can Landry. That's never been a strong suit for Landry. And, and you want a downfield guy when you have a quarterback that has the second strongest arm in, uh, in the NFL. Uh, I think, And also, there's been ties of Juju to Kansas City already last year. We haven't really heard a whole bunch uh, about Landry. So I, I think it's Juju. But, man, there's a lot of slot receivers available. <laughs> there are. I mean, I, mean, I just I mentioned what I ripped off of between Jarvis, Cole Beasley, and Juju. That's three right there. Uh, I guess Jamison Crowder, throw another one uh, in that list, too. Um, I guess, so here's the thing. I wouldn't mind seeing Juju go to Kansas City. I would like to see Jarvis maybe in Philadelphia. I think the Eagles would be a good fit for him. Um we know they need wide receiver help. They've got a very young wide receiver room in general. Um, I mean, for all the the frustration about Jalen Rager, uh, he's younger than Devontae Smith. Just throwing that out there, right? I think he's like a year younger than Devontae Smith. Um, but they need a veteran presence. They need somebody who can sort of help uh, help Jalen Hurts. I think Jarvis Landry can kind of fill that bill. So we can get, put Jarvis in Philly. We can put Juju in Kansas City. I think that sort of works out. Um, with Julio Jones, there was talk that Tom Brady was trying to recruit him to Tampa Bay, which, I mean, look, I get it from Brady's standpoint. It seems like there's a whole lot of people already there in, uh, in Tampa Bay right now. Um, is there a good fit for him? And I guess the other part is, does he still have anything left in the tank? I, I am not ready to quit on Julio Jones yet. Uh, before last season, he had never had a season where he finished outside of the top 15 wide receivers in fantasy points per game. I don't think he's what he was a few years ago, but I still think he can be a very useful like wide receiver three, maybe with some more upside. 
I think last year was just a completely lost season. I don't think it was a good fit uh, with him in that Titan system or with him in Tannehill. And he was banged up all year long, which is obviously still the, the worry. But in early drafts, he was going outside the top 60 wide receivers. I, I will gladly take a shot on his upside at such a cheap price. Yeah. And I think he goes to a contender. Like, what does Julio Jones have left to do besides win a Super Bowl? There, there's nothing. So I, I think if it's not the, the Bucks. I, I think uh, we, you know, it's every team that's a contender, you've seen people on Twitter clamoring, oh, the Bills, the, the Chiefs, the Chargers. <laughs> I think the Packers would be a fun Ooh. one because they don't have anyone outside of Devontae Adams. All of a sudden, he's getting a lot less defensive attention now with Adams on the other side of the field. So I think that's one where great quarterback play, it, you wouldn't be the wide receiver one, and you're on a contender. Yeah. Ooh, that would be scary. Uh, Aaron Rodgers with Devontae Adams and Julio Jones to throw to. Uh, I have a feeling, and I know we're just we're just sort of talking here, but if that were to happen, uh, you would see that that ADP go up much higher than uh, than wide receiver sixty right now. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So I think we kind of talked about this, right? But OBJ is he kind of out in the in Los Angeles? I mean, we don't even know when he's going to play again. But it just seems like you know, if you're the Rams. Uh, you have a loaded wide receiver room right now. Yeah, I, I think he's out with the Rams now, and I thought that was like a shoe-in to happen. Like, I have no yeah. idea. Maybe the Patriots, like, they've been linked in the past. The Cowboys were one that came to mind. Like, Odell, like, just would seem like a natural fit, I think, uh, with, with the star on his helmet. But they've been <laughs> cutting salary, not adding it. Yep. So I'm not really sure where Odell lands right now. Um, side note, you mentioned the Cowboys. Uh, how worried are we about this team, right? I mean, Amari's gone. They're, they're releasing Lyle Collins. Um, there, as you mentioned, they're cutting salary. This, this seems like a bad situation. I mean, I guess Dak may be still okay. Uh, Zeke is, is definitely on the decline. Um, I'm not as optimistic about this offense as I have been in past years. No, me. I, I, I think they're still good enough to win the division, but not good enough to really put in the Super Bowl contender category, which I had them in last season. It, it was an awful week for the Cowboys, especially with the with Randy Gregory playing them as bad as he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other part that I forgot about. Yeah, Randy Gregory uh, looked like he was headed back to Dallas. Now, all of a sudden, he's they not. needed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been a rough week for Jarrah and the folks down there at the star. Uh, so we'll see, but yeah, things are, are definitely changing there. Um, last little bit here, tight ends. Um, Gronk. Now that TB12 is back, is it is it automatic that he comes back to Tampa as well? Yeah, that's what all the reports seem to indicate. He was at a country music concert on Sunday, right after Brady announced it. Like he went on stage, and I thought for sure he was going to announce that he's coming back, but he just like sung and danced. But yeah, <laughs> I, like I wrote about him already, assuming he was with the Bucks. I mean. It, I feel like there's two options. Either he comes back to the Bucks, or he just retires and goes to live Gronk life. Like, I don't see any other options. Um, you know, if if Brady had stayed retired, maybe we could talk about something, you know, like what a third option, him going to Cincinnati or something like that. But I don't, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see anything other than that. Um, by the way, Austin Hooper was released. Uh, the, the Browns moving on from Austin Hooper after a couple of years. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the best of Hooper may be behind him. I guess the, the real question is, are we in on David Njoku? Uh, I, I think he is one of those tight end twos that has upside. I wouldn't draft him to be my starter, but if you have 
you know, one of the back end tight end ones that you don't love. I think you could you could draft a you know an Evan Ingram and David and Joku, someone like that that has some upside. And Irv Smith, we can't forget about Irv. Smith. Oh yeah, we can uh, we can bring back hashtag Let Irv Swerve. I was all ready to roll that last year. I uh, didn't get a chance because of the injury. So uh, so we'll see how it happens there. Um, before we get before we get out of here, and this has been a lengthy podcast. So kudos to all of you who have hung with us uh, for this whole show because it was beefy. Uh, any any quick winners or losers so far in free agency? Knowing that it's not done, but but what we have so far. Uh, I I think the biggest winner, at least in my opinion, so far is Trevor Lawrence. Like they they added talent around him, uh, some playmakers. They added a lot of offensive linemen, so I think that helps him a lot. And then I think Michael Carter because the Jets did not sign a running back after hearing reports that they were in on James Conner. So uh, I think he walks away from this a winner as well. Yeah, they do re-sign Tevin Coleman, but that doesn't seem to be a, a real threat to uh, any opportunities for Michael Carter there. So, uh, so yeah, maybe that, that works. I do like the Trevor Lawrence. I think Russell Gage ends up as a big winner, um, one, because he just gets the quarterback upgrade in Tom Brady. And at least at the start of the season, uh, you know, he, he will hopefully get some more opportunities if Chris Godwin isn't there. Uh, I guess we can also throw Allen Robinson into the mix. Uh, you know, landing in Los Angeles, knowing that Odell Beckham is out, uh, knowing that Robert Woods is still sort of working his way back from the injury uh, and getting to play with Matthew Stafford. So uh, I think uh, I think Allen Robinson just sort of sort of leveled up there in that one. <sighs> um, oh, one more free agent to talk about. Uh, Freddie Freeman. Goes to the, oh, wait, <laughs> sorry. Wrong sport. I got all hyped up. Uh, about, uh, uh, I don't blame you. You got the best lineup ever created in baseball <laughs> ever. Well, you know, but your Mets have maybe the best starting rotation that they've put together I, in a long time. <laughs> I just want... One series where both of those teams are healthy and we could just see them play seven games. Like, that That'd would be, be great. so much fun. That would be a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, man. Uh, I know this is not a baseball podcast, but baseball is happening. So, that's good. Uh, we'll actually have some baseball to watch during the summer. So, that's that's very cool. All right. Uh, I think it's time to, to, to stop this because... Uh, Already? Basically. Yeah, I know, right? And we just, we just got started. Um, and we made it through the whole show without Deshaun Watson being traded. Uh, as of now, Baker Mayfield still a Brown, still doesn't want to be a Brown. The Browns still want him to be a Brown. That's where we are. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. We'll catch our breath and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>